We are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Wirtz from Wirtz Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. As a law firm owner, you're probably wearing more hats than you can count. Partner, strategist, mentor, and often the biggest worrier in the room. The constant pressure of a growing to-do list can be overwhelming, right? Well, what if I told you you could potentially double your profit while cutting your work hours in half? Sound like a dream? Well, my guest is here today to tell you it's more attainable than you think. Hello and welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast. I'm Darren Wirtz, financial planner and dedicated ally to law firm owners. Our mission here is one you're quite familiar with, empowering you to build wealth so you can live the life you want. Our guest today is Dan Warburton. He's a mastermind behind transformative strategies that enable law firm owners to delegate profitably and efficiently, unlocking both the potential of their teams and their own peace of mind. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much to have me here, Darren. I've been really looking forward to this. Yes, I'm so excited. And uh, you're all the way over in the UK. We're excited to have you here. My first guest from the UK. So, Well, um, well actually, I'm great. in Spain. Oh, yes. Yes, you're at your... Uh, I'm thoroughly British, but living in the sun nearby. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So let's get into our topic today. And today we're talking about the secrets of profitable delegation for law firm owners. Let's start with delegation itself. You know, law firm owners are obviously wearing a lot of hats, especially solo attorneys. Why is delegation such a powerful tool for law firm owners? Mainly because they've never been shown it or ex- or had its possibilities explained to them. So, what happens is generally a law firm partner becomes a law firm partner based on their book of clients and the number of hours they're billing. So then when they finally become a partner, they then continue doing what they've always done, which is billing. And if you go right back to the beginning of that journey, all the way through their heavily academic studies, training and everything, never were they taught management and leadership. So their whole fundamental mindset is built on how am I going to fit this in? How am I going to get this done? And looking at their schedule, when somebody says, can you do this? Or a client has another piece of work. They're always thinking, where am I going to fit this in? How am I going to do it? Whereas once somebody's been through, you could say, skilled leadership and management training, they no longer think, how am I going to fit this in? They instantly think, who can I ask to do this for me? And that's the fundamental shift. And so what happens is most law firm partners are in what I call the law technician's valley of doom. (laughs) In other other words, they are in a situation where, you know, uh, let me give you an example. I had a law firm partner. He leads a team of 50 people in London and he was in his early fifties and he got on this call with me 
and he said, oh, thanks for, you know, speaking to me. Uh, and he told me about a situation and he was in a situation where he had either of two options. Either he was going to have to burn himself out and exhaust himself doing what he'd always done, which is trying to fit in a lot of the fee earning work whilst managing and running everything in his whole team or walk away from a business that he'd spent years to build and he couldn't see any other way out. He wanted to stay on the train, but the train was exhausting him. Yeah. And if he got off the train, well, then the train would just stop. All the fun ends, everything he's built ends, everything he's passionate about just ends. And I find this is very, very common for law firm partners and owners. Yeah, that's uh, it's a tough spot to be in. And in a similar, familiar frustration I've seen with a lot of people that I work with. Um, and, you know, these are just skills that you can learn. They're skills that you haven't been taught necessarily having been through law school. Um, so maybe a lot of times people feel like they should be good at these things naturally, but they're things that that take some time to learn and you can learn how to delegate and, and run your business more effectively. Your website talks about enabling law firm partners to free up their time, unleash their potential and greatly elevate their profits in less than 12 months. Could you tell us a little bit about how that process works? So it, it, if you were to look at that again, it says unleash their team's potential. Because mm. <laughs> that's the key. You know, the, fundamentally, the first part to understand is that no leader is ever a true leader without a loyal team underneath them. You know, if you haven't got a loyal team that we have a saying here in England, you're trying to herd cats. <laughs> <laughs> cats never listen to you. You, you. you can try running around them and try and get them all in one room in your house, but you'll, you know, you'll really struggle. You end up <laughs> <it's just> yeah. <laughs> not easy. And that's because if that's the experience that a law firm partner is having with their teams is that the team is not loyal to the law firm owner's partner's vision and what they want to accomplish. It's as mm. simple as that. So the first thing is, is how do you create a loyal team? And that's where the work begins. Usually for teams that aren't loyal to their business leaders, it's because the business leaders don't do either or both of two things. One, they don't listen to their team members. You know, when, when you go out and you meet somebody and somebody asks you, what do you do for work? What do you enjoy doing? How long have you lived here? That's great. Wow, that's interesting. What what else would you want to do next? You know, and when somebody speaks to you in that way and is really genuinely interested in what you have to say, we're always left with this amazing experience of how great and wonderful this person is. And that feeling can rise up within us within minutes. But many law firm partners and owners are so busy, so exhausted, so stressed out that they never have time to just listen to what particularly their key team members want. Mm. And so it begins by first scheduling regular one-on-one -on -one calls with the key team members or key team leaders and starting off by asking them, why are you employed in this company? What mm. do you want to achieve here? What do you want, you know, what do you want to get out of this? Is it, and it could be Fridays off. It could be more money. It could be becoming partner. It could be just security and reliable pay and not have to manage or lead anyone at all. They might be their answer, yeah. right? Whatever it is. 
because people usually enjoy doing what their strengths are. So it can be difficult to try and work out what are somebody's strengths. But actually, if you just ask them what they enjoy doing or what they want to do more of in the firm, they're actually talking about what they're already strong strong in doing. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got that, then it's about holding regular one-on-one calls to empower them to ensure that they have everything they need to really succeed at what matters to them. So that's that's the first one. That's That's the listening part on an ongoing basis. And then... The second one is all about making sure that the people that you're leading have regular, clear instruction. Mm. Because it's easy to make requests of somebody and leave out any of these three key elements. And if these key elements are missing, then it's not a request. So a request, it says exactly what you want somebody to do. It's a measurable result. Like when that work is done, you can see that it's done, right? <laughs> it's not make that client happy. That's not a request, right? It needs to be that right. report or this document or whatever it is. So that's the first one. Secondly, the time frame. If you ask somebody to do something and you don't request a time frame or ask them by when can you do that, and then they give you a time frame, then that's not a request. That's some weird communication. And what happens is, is let's say that the client needs this piece of work on a Friday morning. You need to check it and release it on the Thursday. You want to have it by 12 p.m. that Thursday. Now, let's say that you haven't agreed a time frame for that piece to be done so that you could review it to then release it onto the client. As it comes to 12 o'clock, you start to think, are they doing it? Are they not? Should I text them? Should I call them? Should I, I don't want to micromanage them. I don't want to bother them. And in the end, you can't focus you can't concentrate, you can't do your work properly. And if you've got a series of these going on with a series of work that's all, you know, where you're not knowing if it's being done or not, it can become extremely stressful and exhausting. So the second thing is always agree a time frame because then if it gets to 12 p.m., you can then go and open your email box. And if it's not delivered, then you can pick up the phone to that individual and say, hey, we had this agreement that this was going to be done by 12 o'clock today and it hasn't. Are you okay? What do you need from me? By when can you get it done? And then the final thing is, is agreement. There needs to be agreement from both of you on exactly what needs to be done and by what time frame. Mm. If there's any slight idea that they might be vague on exactly what needs to be done and by when, then it's more than likely not going to be done how you like it to or by the time frame that you like it to or need it to or both. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Great insights, you know, and that's, probably one of the key things that you focus on in your work. I imagine um, helping people put that into into practice and also other things that can enable them to delegate and having a definition of when it's done. That that seems to be um, very critical. And you're right. Sometimes when we tell people we want a task accomplished, we have in our head how we do it and what it should look like. And we're not always good about getting that put onto paper and really explained well for other folks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's it's vital to be able to not only make those clear requests, but in a way that doesn't leave people feeling manipulated. Mm. Mm-hmm. So manipulation is when you use uh, fear tactics or threats to have somebody do what you want them to do. 
And they sound things like, if you don't do this, we're going to have words. Or, you know, if you don't sort this out, I'm, I might be sending you an email with something soon. You know, that's that's using manipulation tactics to to, you know, to try and manipulate people to do what you want them to. And what that does is that starts to break down loyalty. Yeah. That's the fastest way to breaking down loyalty. Because as soon as somebody feels like they're being manipulated or forced into doing something they don't want to do, then, yeah, that really starts to break down relationships. So the question is, well, how do you how do you hold somebody to account to do what you want them to without manipulating? Hmm. Well, the, the, the opposite is you simply give them the opportunity to every request they make, three either options, accept, decline, or counter offer. That's it. And as long as you make sure that that's, that context is there in your communication, then you'll never sound manipulative and you'll always feel like you're respecting whoever you're sp speaking to and they will feel respected, which will maintain their loyalty to your success and to that of your firm. So if we look at this, accept, you make the request. Yes, I can do that. Okay, by when? By 12 o'clock Thursday. Brilliant. So you're going to do this. You're going to complete that report, these three sections, get that done, and you're going to have it to me emailed in my inbox by 12 p.m. Thursday. That right? Yes. Great. Brilliant. Fantastic. That was a request broadcasted, request received and agreed. Right. Counter offer. Okay. Can you do that? Um, I've, I've got a lot on. Okay. So what's your counter offer then? Uh, well, I could do but not today or tomorrow. Okay, but when could you do it? I could do it by Monday next week. Or is there no way you could get it done Friday? Or maybe, could you do it like right at the end of Friday? Let's say, give, give yourself enough breakdown time, say 3 p.m. Friday. Could you get it to me by then? Yes, great. Okay, fantastic. There you go. That's counter offer agreed, yeah? Or decline. Uh, no, I can't do that. Okay, got it. You can't do that. Why not? What? It's just too complex. I don't understand it. Okay, got it. So now from that response, in other words, first, you're being a kind, generous leader that's giving people the opportunity to be honest with you and say that they don't want to do something and why not. So it's very important. If you're always losing your temper and getting angry and frustrated with people, you won't create this environment where people will communicate with you openly like this. Hmm. But then with them saying they can't and giving the reason why, then you can put in place a structures that has them get the support they need. So, okay, got it. So you, so if, so you could then say, so if I organised you extra training around how to do this, would you be up for taking it on? Quite often, that individual will say, yeah, that sounds great because they see it as an opportunity to learn something new, increase their value and their impact on the business, on you and the clients as well. Yeah, that's great having a, a system like that to or a, a format for dealing with those requests and it all comes back to building the team and the team loyalty which is interesting you know not just about efficiency but there's this broader purpose behind all of that dan i'm curious what's uh what's your background and, and tell our audience about how you came to specialize in delegation and and working <laughs> with law firm owners you, you've got me laughing already because it's such a story. Uh, so I, I I saw my father sitting at his office desk at home, which was in the basement of our home, and he was tired. He was exhausted. And he would come up for lunch 
And then he would huff and puff and go back downstairs after lunch. And then after the evening meal, he would say, oh, bloody hell, I need to go back downstairs and work at that bloody desk again. And then on Saturdays, he'd be there working. I'm just going to do a bit in the office by middle of the afternoon, Saturday, he's still there. And then often Sundays, he'd be in there again. And and as, as I grew th- sort of into my 20s, I realized there is there isn't as much freedom as an employee as there is when you're a business owner. Like when you're an employee, you know, you can only work, you've got to work certain hours. You can't go on holiday as and when you want. You need to be told when you can and can't go on holiday and all these other things. And a business owner gets to choose when they go on holiday. They have unlimited earning potential and they really carve out their future. So I knew that's the way that I wanted, which was what my father had done. But I realized I wanted to be a business owner, but not a business owner like my father. Mm-hmm. And so I then began a handyman business, knocking on doors, introducing myself as Super Dan, the handyman. <laughs> and whilst this was going on, I was attending a lot of leadership and management training in in some amazing training programs that were based in London. And these training programs were so tough that for one of them, where there was 12 of us in it on this year-long program, only three of us completed the first year and made it into the second year. And we were being taught to come up with projects that would positively impact humanity and then going out to find people to then inspire to become the leaders of those projects and then take them through to completion. And the idea was was to create these projects that took on a life of their own, so much so that that you as a leader could just disappear and no longer even be needed in it. And there's a, a a very successful restaurant chain here in England called Pret-a-Manger, if you know it. Mm-mm. So it's called Pret-a-Manger, very successful. There's chains everywhere. And they wanted to create a cafe where no food was ever wasted and made a real difference to people who didn't have food. So all the food, bef- like long before it's gone off date, it's given away or sold at a greatly reduced price to certain institutions to help people who haven't got food. But that's now... Very, very successful. So that's the kind of projects that rise out of this leadership training. And as I was going through it, I was implementing everything I learned in my business. So I realized, well, I can only ever be impacting one person's life at once as long as I'm working on the tools. Whereas if I had 10 people doing work on people's houses, I could have 10 people impacting 10 clients' lives all at once. So that's Mm -hmm. 10 times me being able to cause the impact. So I knew that was the way to go. I then grew in from Super Dan to Team Super, It was a team of eight guys, matching uniforms, matching vans. We were renowned in the south of England for, you know, integrity, timekeeping, cleanliness, like real high levels, handyman building repair service. And what happened was some of the workmen that told me about the work they could do, they couldn't actually do it. So in the end, they started to make these mistakes and they weren't plastering walls properly. You know, there started to be cracks in in some of the building work. So then that had to be taken down and redone again. And then I was having to go and borrow money on personal credit cards to be able to go and pay other companies and other workmen to come and repair the mistakes they made because I knew that reputation was everything. And in the end, works ended up delayed. I ended up in so much debt. Some clients chose not to pay anymore until certain works were finished. And I didn't have more money to finish the work. So in the end, I had to close the whole business down. And in the process, I borrowed even more money to give back people that owed it. And even to those workmen, those workmen that let me down, I still chose to pay them back because I wanted to leave a great word of mouth and reputation for myself 
as an individual employer, business owner, all these things. And then there I was back to square one, back in this one bedroom bedsit apartment, which is where I started this whole journey three years later, except I also had a hundred thousand pounds of debt, Hmm. no business, no job, no career. And I knew again, employment wasn't an option. I had to be a business owner. And as I carried on going through these leadership training programs and looking and pulling apart what it was that went wrong, what I realized was that to delegate effectively, if you don't delegate the responsibility with the task, then people don't perform at a high level. So you can ask people to do things all you want and they can kind of do them or half do them or do them late. But for them to do them effectively to a high standard and on time, they need to feel the responsibility for doing that work properly and on time. Mm. And so then that began the my deeper level of leadership learnings, which was learning how do you transfer responsibility from your shoulders onto the shoulders of others. And I covered a bit of this earlier, like finding out what people want as being part of your team. What do they aspire to achieve? What's important to them? Then when they feel like those dreams, goals, and ambitions or or what matters to them is on the line, and they can see that through them fulfilling their agreements with you, they get to fulfill what, what is important to them. That then leads to them actually starting to take the responsibility off your shoulders themselves. They start to actually think about clients' needs before you've even thought of it. That's one of the things. And so I then went through this deeper journey of really learning how to transfer responsibility. And as a result, I took that into a new business, which was a 24-hour emergency plumbing and drainage business, met a business owner. He had a, a small team already offering it. And then I said to him, look, I can get the phone ringing like there's no tomorrow. If I bring this work in and I close it, can you action your team to do it? said, yes, great. So that's what I did. And it was amazing because I now had a manager that managed all the problems that arose. I didn't even have to handle any of those. And I could answer the phone anywhere. So I'd be on ski lifts in Chamonix, France, And I'd be holding my mobile phone with this panoramic view with a snowboard strapped around my feet. And I'd be saying, hello, 247 drainage. How can I help you? (laughs) We can be there in one hour. That's a hundred pounds. Okay, great. What's your name and what's your address? And I would then text them the details. And it was just brilliant. I, I could travel everywhere and I was earning good money. And then I started to coach and show the manager how to grow his team, how to make them highly loyal, effective, and operate high levels of performance and further delegate the work that came in. And so I helped him grow this team and it was all looking really good and I could see a whole future for it. And then my dad said, what is this leadership transformational kind of work that you do? So I sat down with him and he had this huge experience and he said, wow, you're very good at this, Sunshine. Have you thought about doing this professionally? And that was January, 2016. My father became one of my first clients And then neighbors, friends of friends started to ask me because they saw me traveling a lot, living this good life. And then I ended up working with, yeah, over a thousand uh, clients on a one-on-one basis. Some of them were just complimentary sessions. Some of them were much deeper, one one year long programs. And then three years ago, I did an advanced marketing program. And my mentor at the time said, look at which of your clients get the best results and which you enjoy working with the most, wrote them all out. And it was really clear those clients were law firm owners and partners. <laughs> so ever since then, that's what I've niched in. And I'm like a kid in a sweet shop because as I said earlier, 
in the legal sector, all the training is very academic. There isn't people to people leadership skills and all those things, which is all I've had for many years. So now in this industry, I've really come to life because I find that it's very missing for partners who basically want to earn a lot more whilst working less. Yeah. Wow. That is really fascinating. You figured (laughs) out how to do this and then took that skill elsewhere. And as I'm listening to you, it kind of seems like there's two, maybe three layers of this, right? And you've kind of kind of descended deeper and deeper into <laughs> a, a depth that really I hadn't thought about before until you've, you were sharing this story. You know, there's hiring, you know, bringing people onto the team initially. Yeah. Then there's delegating and, and just kind of the um, assigning of tasks. You know, you talked about yeah. tasks versus responsibilities. And then as you're talking about it, it's more like, okay, in in more of um, an internal motivated kind of way, like, you know, not just the tasks themselves, but but giving people the responsibilities and then enabling them not just to complete tasks, but do so in a way that is efficient and well done and where they're doing outstanding work. That kind of have I kind of yeah, got yeah, that yeah, right brilliant. there? And I, I and I love the way you broke that down. Yeah, great. And and it's not giving people the responsibility. Okay. The secret is inspiring people to want to take the responsibility. Uh, That's the difference. Because you're either pushing away or someone else is pulling towards. Mm-hmm. And it's much more effective when people are pulling towards opportunity, pulling towards wanting to speak to you pulling towards being in your firm and pay rises and a whole future that inspires them. And, you know, one of the biggest problems in the legal sector is staff turnover. Two, three years in juniors, they get bored, they get tired, fed up, and they want to leave. Why? Because they've not had enough one-on-one time with more senior members to train and empower them to to, to elevate their skills and become worth more. And this is all because usually the law firm partners are so busy focusing on their own fee earning work rather than being available to offer that training and support and time to inspire their juniors to rise up instead. And and the bottom line is, it's like a law firm partner can earn so much more and impact so many more lives if they had 10 highly effective fee earners working that one hour instead of them. Not only that, they end up earning so much more and they haven't had to do one hour of fee earning in that one hour. So then they are finally free to solve all the next problems because the nature of business is, is when you find a solution to one problem, it then surfaces all the rest. But for me, this is the one major problem a law firm partner must solve first before they transition from being just a technician in their business to being an actual business owner and, and gaining the great freedom and quality of life that then comes with that. Yeah. It's because, because once they've delegated away their workload, then they're free. Then they can solve attracting, retaining clients. They can solve business development. They can solve workflow challenges and problems. They can solve absolutely everything else because they're free to be able to do so. Yeah. You know? And that's where it really starts to turn into profit. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's fun. Right, right. You're you're not just offloading things you have to do. You're mm. creating a team that's going to make more money for you. 
right? That's it. And enjoy the process of proving themselves to you and climbing this ladder to what feels to them like real progression in their lives and career, which then further deepens their loyalty to you and your vision. Fantastic. Well, this has absolutely been very eye-opening for me. I, I know it has been for the people who are listening as well. Unfortunately, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here and <laughs> um, we've got to wrap it up, but this is really great. We'll have to have you back again, Dan, to talk more about it. I do have uh, another question for you as we come to the end here, and that is, what's your ultimate vision um, and, and the future plans maybe you have for yourself and your business? So my dream is to become recognized as the, the mentor, the coach, whatever you want to call it, the guy that the most respected law firm partners in the world approach to achieve their greatest dreams and overcome all their challenges. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's my and commitment. You're already living the dream somewhat, uh, you know, in Spain, of all places. And uh, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I, I've, I've got clients in the UK, USA, few from around the world. And uh, I absolutely love what I do. And, and yeah, like I'm only interested in being paid for making a real difference in the world. I'm not interested in selling oil or gas or some plastic widgets or something, you know, uh, and no disrespect to anyone who chooses to do that. That's totally fine. But what, what lights me up is when I'm lying in bed at night and I'm still remembering the conversation I've had one of my clients where they said, I get to spend the evenings with my wife. Mm. I get to go on holiday with my children. You know, I'm earning more money than I've ever earned before. Yet I haven't got black, black, black rings around my eyes. <laughs> you know, I'm now able to, you know, give away my time to charity I'm able to empower the juniors in the team to have them create fantastic careers. You know, I'm now able to attend podcast interviews, be featured in magazines, you know, be invited to speak at events around the world and all the things that are so enjoyable after having spent 10, 15, 20, 30 years of having built a firm rather than being stuck behind a desk thinking, how the hell am I going to fit all this in? And how much longer can I keep this up for? Because I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's great, great stuff because for, you know, I talk about retirement for law firm owners a lot, but retirement for law firm owners usually doesn't necessarily mean just stopping working. And many of them are trying to get to that place of moving into more of a leadership role where they're kind of the figurehead of an organization and they can work on the more big picture stuff, the vision and the goal setting while yeah. they have a team in place that's really doing the operations for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is a great part podcast to all of you partners that are listening to this to remember it is possible. You don't need to keep exhausting yourself out and you don't have to walk away from a business that you spent years building. There is a completely new avenue that will lead to extreme freedom and fulfillment in your lifestyle. Absolutely. Well, Dan, would you please share with our audience how they can learn more about you and get in touch with you if they have questions? That's kind of you. So you go danwarburton.com. So if you go there, danwarburton.com, I've actually got a 60-second uh, assessment. And if you take that, it will break down for you where your strengths and weaknesses are in your profitable delegation skills and give you some tailored insights in what you need to focus on next. 
And uh, alternatively, yeah, you can you can add me on LinkedIn. Just search Dan Warburton, and I'd love to connect with you. And I'm soon launching a book called Profitable Delegation, and it's going to be free for the very first 24 hours, and that's going to be announced on LinkedIn. So if that's something you'd like, then add me on LinkedIn to make sure you know of that announcement. Great stuff. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. And thank you, the listener, for being with us today. I hope you've gained some insights that can help you elevate your firm, streamline your workload, and boost your profits. While learning from experts like Dan will help you improve your firm's profitability, optimizing your personal finances is a different story, and that's where I come in. As a financial advisor dedicated to serving law firm owners, I can partner with you to empower you to clarify your finances and create extraordinary wealth so you can achieve the life you want. Navigating the financial world can be daunting, but it doesn't have to be. If you'd like advice in your own circumstances, simply visit thelawyermillionaire.com to schedule a meeting with me. Thanks for joining today and keep tuning in for more episodes packed with actionable advice and thought-provoking discussions. If you haven't yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.